0: Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode. So, coming up in episode 111 of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have an update on the Blackboard data breach. We then have news that H&M, the clothing retailer, has been fined for holding too much data about its employees. We then report a large data breach at Greater Manchester Police and then a data breach at Kylie Jenner Cosmetics, with any news that Basingstoke and Dean Borough Council has reported itself to the ICO for a data breach. And then we cross over to the continent where the Belgian DPA has drawn to the CJEU to seek guidance on whether it can carry out its own GDPR action against Facebook for violations within Belgian territory, rather than having to wait for the conclusion of the lengthy Irish investigation into Facebook. We then travel to South America, and specifically to Brazil, which has now indicated that it's going to begin enforcement of LGPD. It's equivalent to GDPR, and so we look at the correlation between LGPD and GDPR, and what you need to do if you are inside or outside Brazil and dealing with Brazilian customers. We then have news that the ICO and the UK Charity Commission have plans to work more closely together, in regulating the activities of charities, particularly with regard to data gathered during fundraising activities. And finally this week, we have news that a Russian hacker has been jailed for stealing data from LinkedIn. The data intruded the usernames and passwords of thousands of UK civil servants. So as always, we hope that you find the articles useful and informative. And again, as always, if you have any feedback on the show, we really like hearing from you. So please just email us at feedback. At GDPRweeklyshow.com. We do read every single piece of feedback we receive and wherever possible we include the improvements in future episodes of the show. However, due to the volume of feedback we receive, it's sometimes not possible for us to respond to each piece of feedback individually. We begin this week with an update on the Blackboard data breach. If you're a regular listener to the GDPR Weekly Show, you will know that since episode 101, We've been bringing you occasional updates on the ramifications and aftermath of this data breach. And this week it's taken a more serious turn when software provider Blackboard has revealed that they now believe that some bank account information may have been in the data exposed in the data breach. The firm revealed this week in a regulatory filing that the hackers may have accessed some unencrypted fields relating to financial data. Further forensic investigation found that for some of the notified customers, the cybercriminal may have accessed some unencrypted fields intended for bank account information, social security numbers, usernames and or passwords, the firm said. A number of universities across the UK are facing a legal class action as a result of this data breach and also there are some charities involved, including the National Trust and indeed this week the Multiple Sclerosis Trust has dedicated a whole page on its website to the fact that it was using Blackboard and that there had been a data breach and what to do if you are a member of the Multiple trustees Trust and you believe your data might have been affected by the data breach. A spokesman for the National Trust said, we're aware that some financial data may have been accessed as a result of the data breach and we're working with Blackboard to determine if this affects our members. Just a bit of background, Blackboard is a cloud service that provides fundraising software to organisations across the world. It used to be known as Razor's Edge and it was hit by a cyber attack in May this year with hackers extracting a copy of a subset of data. It's known that at least 20 universities and charities across the UK were affected together with charities in the US and Canada. When Blackboard first revealed the data breach, they were adamant that no financial data had been included in the leak. The data breach is exceptional in other ways too in that Blackboard are known to have paid a ransom to the people who stole the data. Now Blackboard say they've had an assurance that the people who took the data have since deleted the data but of course have no way of independently verifying that. And as we go to broadcast there's news that 10 American health firms have themselves filed lawsuits seeking class action status against Blackboard as a result of the data breach. So it looks like there's still a lot more to be told in this story. And if we have any updates, either from Blackboard or from any of the organisations affected, we will of course bring them to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. H&M, the world's second-largest fashion retailer, has been handed a monumental fine for violating GDPR this week. A German subsidiary of H&M was fined €35,258,707.95 by Regulatory Body, the Hamburg Data Protection Authority, for excessive use of employee data. H&M currently employ around 126,000 people around the world. The fine imposed on H&M, Hens & Marie's online shop, AB & code KG, is the largest to be levied so far against the company for GDPR violations involving how employee data is handled. The Hamburg Data Protection Authority launched an investigation into H&M's service centre in Nuremberg after a 2019 data breach caused by a configuration error revealed how much data H&M Germany was actually collecting about the private lives of its employees. The investigators found that since at least 2014, H&M had been collecting and storing on its company network copious amounts of data concerning their employees' holiday experiences, family issues, religious beliefs and symptoms of illness and diagnosis. All this data, it's understood, was collected during one-on-one conversations between employees and their supervisors and during welcome-back talks held between employees and team leaders after an absence from work. Some of the data was accessible by up to 50 other managers within H&M. After evaluating 60 gigabytes of data and reviewing witness evidence and the company's internal procedures, the regulator ruled that the combination of collecting details about their private lives and the recording of their activities led to a particularly intensive encroachment on employees' civil rights. H&M have subsequently apologised to all its employees. Today, the company confirmed that financial compensation would be given to everyone employed at the impacted company since May 2018, when GDPR became law. News of the financial penalty comes as H&M announced plans to close 250 of its doors globally. The company said the closures scheduled to take place in 2021 are driven by customers showing a marked preference for shopping online, which of course has been accelerated by the covid ID19 pandemic. What's up Mike? I'm fed up. I wish I had a new job. Have you tried Jubal? Jubal.org. We help people find jobs. Great, I'll try it now. Greater Manchester Police have admitted two data breaches after the names and details of thousands of victims of crime were accidentally put online in a data breach. The data breach, which is understood to be very serious both in size and content, is under investigation by both the Greater Manchester Police themselves and the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO. The Manchester Police and Crime Commissioner has asked for an explanation as to why she and the Mayor were not informed of this incident at the earliest opportunity. The sensitive information, which includes names and addresses of victims, witnesses and people reporting crime, is understood to have been uploaded as part of a test. The data, which includes records of sex crime victims, witnesses and informants, in a statement, Greater Manchester Police said no informant details were part of the data breach, but admitted a snapshot of historic details, including names and crimes, were accessible by an external contractor. It is understood that the number of cases runs into thousands. Greater Manchester Police say that so far there's nothing to indicate the information has been accessed by anyone without permission. Victims of sexual crime are given the right to remain anonymous under the law. It's understood that the data displays graphs and statistics, but if the right tabs were clicked, anyone could have progressed to the actual names of the victims and the areas where the incident occurred. It's understood that the data does not include any photographs or videos. Greater Manchester Police were keen to stress that this was a snapshot data set and that the breach did not mean that anyone could access the force's live computer system or access ongoing incidents or investigations. Assistant Chief Constable Chris Sykes said, We are aware of a possible data breach involving a limited data set of personal information which was used for testing purposes by our supplier. An internal investigation was immediately initiated and GMP proactively referred the matter to the Information Commissioner's Office. In line with ICO requirements, GMP recorded the breach as soon as we became aware and gave a full description of the type of data involved. As well as informing the ICO, our other priority was to contact our supplier to ensure the information was immediately taken down to make no further breaches were possible. Although any breach of data is a risk, I want to reassure the Communities of Greater Manchester that the type of data available was limited personal data and did not include any detailed information on specific incidents or crimes. It also did not include any pictures, videos or addresses. This was in no way a breach of our live operational system and was a snapshot of data that was being used on the test system. At this time, there are currently no indicators to suggest that this data has been viewed by anyone outside of authorised teams or that any other data has been extracted. The investigation is currently ongoing with both the ICO and GMP and further reports will be issued to so the ICO as appropriate. As the investigation is still ongoing, we cannot provide any further information at this stage. Bev Hughes, Deputy Mayor of Greater, Greater Manchester for Policing, crime and criminal justice, said the public need to be able to trust public bodies with their data and this kind of error should never happen. It is incredibly important that victims of crime can be completely reassured that significant amounts of their personal data have not been published and I have requested an urgent update from Greater Manchester Police on this specific point. Further, I have asked for an explanation as to why I and the Mayor of Greater Manchester were not informed of this incident at the first opportunity. We await the findings of the independent ICO investigation. In the meantime, I am seeking swift reassurance from GMP that processes are being put in place to ensure this cannot ever reoccur. For the ICO, a spokesperson said Greater Manchester Police have reported an incident to us and we will be making inquiries. If we receive any further update on this from either Greater Manchester Police or the Information Commissioner's Office, we will, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Kylie Jenner's makeup company has warned customers of a security breach compromising names, addresses, and the last four digits of their credit cards. The data breach has occurred as Kylie Jenner's makeup company used Shopify for their online e commerce presence. And as we mentioned last week in the GDPR Weekly show, a data breach by two of Shopify's own employees is known to have affected at least 100 merchants on its platform. In an email to its customers, Kylie Cosmetics said your trust is so important to us and we wanted to let you know we're working diligently with Shopify to get additional information about this incident and their investigation response to this matter. Shopify have assured us that they have in- implemented additional controls designed to help prevent this type of incident from occurring in the future. We expect other brands who also use Shopify to issue similar statements within the next few days. I love this show, but I've got GDPR questions and don't know what to do. It's simple. Just follow the instructions coming up and the guys at GDPR Weekly Show will help within 24 hours. All you need to do is email helpdesk at GDPRweeklyshow.com with the details of your GDPR issue. And one of our specialists will get straight back to you. kids. Thanks, Mike. A serious breach of GDPR saw Basingstoke and Dean Borough Council report itself to the Information Commissioner's Office in July. A SharePoint site featuring housing customer data intended just to be used by members of one team was accidentally shared to other council employees and elected councillors. Basingstoke and Borough Council were forced to refer themselves to the ICO who decided to take no further action. The day breach was revealed in a report to members of Basingstoke and Dean Audit and Accounts Committee on Monday, September 28th. Councillors were told by Anne Greaves, the head of legal at the authority, that the ICO praised the authority for their swift response to the breach. It was brought to the attention of the Data Protection Officer by a member of staff who inadvertently accessed the site. Immediate action was taken to rectify the issue and no customer data was available to anyone outside the council, the report said. It's good to see a council taking such proactive action and setting an example for others to follow here in the UK. An indication that other data protection authorities across Europe are getting frustrated at the slow speed of progress that the Irish Data Commissioner is making into investigations into global IT companies like Facebook, who have their European headquarters in Ireland, came to light this week with news that the Belgian Data Protection Authority is taking a case to the Luxembourg-based Court of Justice of the European Union, the CJEU, for permission for it to pursue action against Facebook for violations of GDPR in its own territory. If the CJEU backs the Belgian Authority, it could embolden other national agencies across the EU to take action against companies such as Google, Twitter and Apple. Under GDPR and its one-stop-shop mechanism, the Irish Privacy Authority is the lead authority for Facebook, as Facebook's European headquarters are in Ireland. Google, Twitter and Apple also have their European headquarters in Ireland. GDPR does, however, allow some leeway for other national privacy regulators to rule on violations limited to their own country, and this has already happened in France and Germany. The case coming before the CJEU on the 5th of October came after a Belgian court sought guidance on Facebook's challenge against the territorial competence of the Belgian regulator's bid to stop the company from tracking users in Belgium through cookies stored in Facebook's social plugin, regardless of whether they had a Facebook account or not. Facebook said there are merits to EU's rules in designating a lead supervisory authority for cross border privacy issues. Jack Gilbert, Facebook Associate General Counsel, said in an email, All businesses that operate across the EU are subject to GDPR. Can benefit from this one-stop-shop mechanism. It allows companies of all sizes to understand their legal responsibilities and respond quickly to regulators. In response, the Belgian data authority said the issue was simple. The question is whether or not the one-stop-shop mechanism under GDPR is exhaustive, or it leaves some room for local data protection authorities, such as the Belgian data protection authority, to enforce, in particular, in bringing court proceedings before a national judge. The CJEU will also have to decide whether the GDPR rules apply in this case, which dates back to 2015, before the EU framework was adopted in 2016, and of course way before it became into force in 2018. The Irish watchdog has opened cases into Facebook. Facebook owns Instagram and WhatsApp, as well as Twitter, Apple, Verizon Media, Microsoft owned LinkedIn and US digital advertiser Cronkcast. We will keep an eye on this talk case in Belgium, and as soon as a ruling is known, we will, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Back on August 14, 2018, the Brazilian government approved the Brazilian General Data Protection Law, known as La Geral de Proteção de Dados Paseos. I apologise in advance if I didn't pronounce that correctly. Enforcement was set to begin on August fifteenth, two 2020, but then, due to COVID-19, was delayed till May 2021. However, the delay has now been shortened to December thirty first, 2020. But this delay was overturned by the Brazilian Senate, reversing to the original enforcement date, resulting in LGPD coming into effect very soon. Notwithstanding the immediacy of LGPD, penalties and sanctions for non-compliance provided therein will not be enforced until August 1st, 2021. It's well known, I think, that LGPD is largely based on GDPR. So some of its articles and examples, which will probably be familiar to you if you're at all familiar with GDPR, is that it has extraterritorial scope, So it applies to organisations in Brazil as well as organisations that process personal data for the purpose of offering or supplying goods and services to individuals in Brazil. It has a relatively broad definition of personal data. Companies within Brazil or companies who trade with individuals in Brazil must appoint a DPO to be within the channel of communication between the financial controller, the data subjects and data regulators. The company must have at least one of ten lawful bases for processing. I'll go through those in a moment. And parental consent is required when processing personal data of a child under 12. Interestingly, processing for personal data for children under 18, so i.e. between 12 and 18 teenagers, is allowed but must be shown to be in the child's best interest. Again, like GDPR, data subjects have the right to request information about the data the company collects about them and what will happen if they do not grant consent to the controllers in order to process their personal data. Data breach notifications must be actioned and must be reported to regulators within a reasonable time period. And exports of personal data from Brazil are only permitted if the level of protection can still be maintained, including through adequacy decisions, binding corporate rules, codes of conduct or consent. Individuals have the right to be informed of the nature of the processing of their personal data. Individuals also have the right to access, correct, delete, anonymise or obtain a portable copy of their personal data. So as you see, it's very heavily based on GDPR. And just like GDPR, there are significant fines for violations. Up to 2% of the organisation's revenue in Brazil, capped at approximately 9.5 million US dollars. The introduction of LGPD is significant as Brazil is by far the largest market for software outsourcing in Latin America. So what are these legal bases? Well, first one is upon owner's consent. Second one is in order to comply with a legal or regulatory obligation by the controller. Thirdly, under some circumstances by the public administration for the implementation of public policies. Fourthly, by survey organisations providing that the individualization of personal data should be prevented; Fifthly if necessary for the purpose of performance of a contract or preliminary proceedings related to a contract to which the owner is a party upon the owner's request; sixthly for the enforceability of rights in lawsuits, administrative proceedings or arbitration; seventh for the protection of the owner or third party's life and physical capability; eighth for house care exclusively by house care physicians, healthcare care providers and sanitary authorities. Ninth, whenever it's necessary to serve legitimate interests of the controller and third parties, except when fundamental owners' rights for data protection prevail, or tents for credit protection, including as provided in the specific legislation. So you see again an awful lot of similarities with GDPR. And again, like GDPR, LGPD does define a subset of personal data as sensitive data related to one's racial or ethnic origin, religious and political views, union, religion, philosophical or political affiliations, health, sexual or biometric or genetic data. And again, just like GDPR, consent under LGPD has to be voluntary. So if you are a company based in Brazil, or you are a company who deals with people in Brazil, then you need to be doing the following. And you may already have done, of course, a good number of these for GDPR. But the recommendation for LGPD is that you carry out a data mapping and data governance exercise, To understand what personal data processing activities the business performs that may be subject to LGPD. Identify any gaps where the business processing activities do not currently comply with the requirements of LGPD and develop a remediation plan. Revising or creating any policies and procedures for compliance with LGPD, including any policies and procedures related to complying with requests from individuals exercising their rights under LGPD reviewing applicable processing activities to ensure that there is at least one lawful basis for each processing, appointing a DPO, and revising and adopting or reviewing a business's instant response policies to ensure that they can comply with the data breach obligations. If you are in Brazil, or indeed if you are outside Brazil but you deal with Brazilian customers and you require any help on this, then please just drop us an email to helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com and one of our specialists will be delighted to help you. I love this show, but I've got GDPR questions and I don't know what to do. It's simple. Just follow the instructions coming up and the guys at GDPR Weekly Show will help within 24 hours. All you need to do is email helpdesk at GDPRweeklyshow.com with the details of your GDPR issue. And one of our specialists will get straight back to you. My Thanks, Mike. If you work in the charity sector in the UK, then be aware that the ICO and the Charity Commission have indicated that they intend to work more closely together. To give a bit of background, prior to the commencement of GDPR, the charity sector's fundraising practices were investigated by the ICO and 13 high-profile charities were fined in 2016 and 2017 for the way that they handled donors' personal data. The ICO was particularly critical of how this information was collected and shared. The unlawful sharing of personal data continues to be a priority area for the ICO and, of course, given GDPR, it is likely that any fines issued now for unlawfully handling donor's personal data will be significantly higher than those which were imposed back in 2016 and 17. In particular, the ICO is known to be actively pursuing organisations involved in unsolicited electronic marketing. Almost a quarter of all enforcement action recorded by the ICO has been enforcement action connected with marketing. It's important for all charities to think carefully about information governance when dealing with donors and ensure that any fundraising strategies are GDPR compliant. Now, of course, if you need any help with this, if you are a charity and you're unsure quite whether your fundraising activities are compliant or not, then please do feel free to reach out to us at at helpdesk.gdprweeklyshow.com and one of our advisors will be very pleased to help you. The Charity Commissioner made clear that any charity which finds itself under an active Charity Commission investigation can expect an ICO investigation to follow very shortly afterwards. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. And finally this week we have news that 32-year-old Russian hacker Yevgeny Alexandrovich Nitulin has been sentenced to 88 months in prison in the US for hacking into LinkedIn, Dropbox and the now-closed social networking company Formspring in early 2012. Nikulin was arrested in October 2016 while travelling in the Czech Republic and was extradited to the United States in March 2018 to face trial for hacking into computers owned by LinkedIn, Dropbox and Formspring and stealing the login credentials of hundreds of millions of users. Natulin is a Russian national and was based in Moscow when he carried out the cybercrime. He initially hacked into the computer of a LinkedIn employee, installed malware on the hijacked machine, and used the employee's stolen credentials to log into LinkedIn's corporate VPN. Once inside the corporate network, Natulin stole a database containing the login information including encrypted passwords of over 117 million LinkedIn users. Having found a tactic that worked, he used a similar tactic to steal the login credentials of over 68 million Dropbox users as well as the credentials of an unknown number of Formspring users. According to the US Department of Justice, Nutulin also infiltrated the network of Automatic, the parent company of WordPress.com, but there's no evidence to confirm whether he was able to steal any data from that company. The LinkedIn data breach, which involved Newtonian stealing the login credentials of over 117 million users, also compromised private login details of 1,000 British MPs and parliamentary staff, 7,000 UK police employees, and more than 1,000 Foreign Office officials. These details were part of a large stash of data that also contained 2,944 hacked email addresses and passwords belonging to officials at the Department of Work and Pensions, 1,442 belonging to officials at the Department of Health, 1,392 belonging to officials at the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, and 938 hacked email addresses and passwords, belonging to officials at the Ministry of Justice. After the existence of the data breach was reported by the Times newspaper in the UK, the National Cyber Security Centre said it was advising LinkedIn users to change their passwords immediately, close their accounts if they're not using the service and not use the same passwords for both personal and work accounts. Affected users have also been asked to use multi-factor authentication to make it more difficult for Russian hackers. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.ansurety.co.uk You can find out more about us at insurety at www.ansurety.co.uk And I look forward to speaking to you again same time, same place next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe. And cut. That's a wrap. The GDPR Weekly Show is an Insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity. Until next time, bye-bye.